live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chant TV. Good on you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you very much. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. I don't know what Director Matthew's doing today. Probably editing this later on. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but I hope he's well. All my love, Director Matthew. Uh, kids, kids, let's carry over that conversation for a second, all right? I'm going to ask you this, Tom, while we have this conversation about what is a realistic expectation. And uh, get ready for these types of conversations, guys. Uh, all right. Is it realistic for Florida State fans to have the expectation that Georgia fans have this year? No, right? No. Okay. Is it realistic for Florida State fans to have the expectation that Ohio State fans have this year? Maybe. They're breaking in a new quarterback. They're, that's a team that uh, is not quite the machine that Georgia is. And when you're breaking in a new quarterback at Ohio State, that could be a little dicey. Like Georgia can win with with a you know a third string quarterback. I think that's how loaded they are. Ohio State they recruit very very well, but when they when you don't have Stroud anymore, that opens up maybe a maybe category for me and not not a hard no like Georgia. All right. Is it realistic for Florida State fans to have the expectation? That Michigan fans have. Sure. Is it realistic for Florida State fans to have the expectation that Alabama fans have? Probably not. They're on the other side of Ohio State, but they're not quite Georgia. All right. So my point, and I think you know where I'm going here, is that you believe and I'm asking the audience what they believe, that Florida State should have the expectations, not of Georgia, not of perhaps Alabama, but the expectations that Ohio State and Michigan fans have. Yep. You believe then that Florida State should have the expectations that USC has? Yes. Yes. Okay. Florida State is more complete on both sides of the ball than USC. Unless okay. they have a drastic overhaul on defense, yes. Uh, it's fascinating. Just, again, say it out loud, guys. You are telling me that off of, off of one winning season that you believe Florida State is in the conversation with USC, who had five-star transfer after five-star transfer after five-star transfer. Follow them to with Lincoln Riley, who's the best offensive coach in football that you believe that they have a similar uh, ceiling as Ohio state that has finished with a top three recruiting class or top 10 recruiting class, top five recruiting class for like uh, 20 years in a row. Mm -hmm. I, 
I find that fascinating. I, TCU, I, TCU went from five and seven to the playoff. TCU, they did, and TCU, they are an outlier, TCU. and you know they are. You know they're an outlier. I, I do, but I also know that the transfer portal is an outlier for the last 10 to 20 years of college football, and we're abusing it in all the right ways. Yeah. And that, no. That's the thing here that TCU is capable of beating Michigan, who is capable of blowing out Ohio State with Stroud as a quarterback. So I, through degrees of separation, and yes, I will use the transitive here a little bit, it becomes that much closer. The margin, the proof that you have says that the margin is closer. And Ohio State, sure, they gave Georgia the better game in the playoff. It's not even close. That was the oh, best they, game in the college football playoff. Which they Georgia probably should have won the game. Yeah. And they probably should have won the game. But Stroud's gone. Bryce Young is gone at Alabama. That's why I said maybe, but probably not. That machine is still kind of special over there in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> you think? <laughs> but when you have this quarterback and then you have this collection of veterans, like we do this all the time in college basketball, and I understand that the sports are not the same, but when you talk about a veteran group that might not be as talented or might not have as many lottery picks in March Madness, but they've been together for three years or something yeah, 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 yeah. that counts for something. That in means the tournament. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. And with this group at Florida State, you've got veterans in enough key places. You've got better depth. You like where the trenches are going. It has been systematically better. You love your play caller. You love your offensive coordinator. And you love the quarterback. And now you're balanced on offense with NFL draft picks at receiver, tight end, and running back. And they might be high picks at that, at least two of those positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a group that ha that should have expectations on par with programs not named Georgia and maybe Alabama. We'll see what the quarterback situation is. But quarterback matters greatly. If Duggan's not, you know, running the helm for TCU last year, you know, they might be a cute story that got into the top 20, but not a playoff team. So that's the other thing here it is the quarterback is right. The trench play seems on par. And you're also striking in a year where there's a lot of quarterback turnover. It's USC. And who else has a quarterback that's coming back that you're saying, you know, that that's for sure their guy. Not Georgia, not Ohio State, not Alabama, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a good point, Tom. I, I, I asked the question not to be, um, you know, polarizing. I, 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 this is just a question. Like, what? Let's get, let's dive down into it. What is the real expectation and what's realistic? You know, what are we out over our skis and thinking that Florida State off of one good season? is in the conversation with teams that have recruited exceptionally well year after year after year after year. I, our roster, I, I think this is my main point. Our roster is still not championship level. It's just not. It's it. We got very fortunate last year to handle some injuries well because they did a good job in the portal. And they did a good job of finding some depth on the offensive line. They're also coached really well, and that matters. That that doesn't, you know, that carries over. But man, I just when I look at a Georgia roster and I looked at Ohio State's roster, and I went back and looked, even in Alabama, we talk about what a bad season Alabama had. They went, they won eleven games. They won eleven games in the SEC. I mean, relative to Alabama, they had a bad year, but they won eleven games. Um, LSU, who we beat, fair enough. First game of the year, we, we we get all that. But when you look at those rosters, they're better rosters, man. They're better rosters. The recruiting has been better 
for longer and sustained than Florida State has. And so I just think that we need to pump the brakes a little bit regarding what we think this roster is. I like the coach. I like his staff for the most part. I'd still make a couple of changes and I'll continue to beat that drum. <laughs> but but I, I, st- I, I like the coach. I like the staff for the most part. And I like the starters. But football is a game of attrition. And we know that guys go down. They get hurt. And we're weak at linebacker. We don't know what we have in the secondary. The second string on the defensive, uh, at defensive end is what? Yeah. What it's whatever it's ordinary. The, the, the offense, I think you're right to point to and say that should carry the day because that's the unit that a is coached exceptionally well and has room to, to lose some people here and there, but nobody, but other than that, the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to, we're talking to Adam Fuller next week, guys. I can't wait to talk to Adam Fuller, man. There is a world of pressure on Adam Fuller. Who's because that that defense has got to be much better, Tom, if we're a legitimate playoff contender. Well, do they to be a playoff contender? No. Okay, okay. So it's fair. You're going to say the ACC sucks, and they can. But if you're going to beat Clemson at Clemson and LSU over in Orlando, yes, that defense is going to have to be better. They, they beat LSU last year with this defense. We we also know it's year two with Brian Kelly. They barely beat LSU last year. We had a veteran team with a veteran quarterback. I don't know, man. They, uh, they botched late situations to be in, in a position to lose that football game, I'll grant you. But for the balance of it, if you're talking about controlling the line of scrimmage and, and dictating terms, the defense did a very good job of that. I, yes, Brian Kelly's had more time, but we also discovered the capabilities of Jordan Travis just that day. He's developed since then. He's Correct. since then. He's tougher since then. Like for I'm talking kid, about the defense, Tom. I'm talking I, I, about the defense. Well, I, I would flip it. Okay, let me ask you this. Should we have equal to uh, expectations equal to that of USC? Or should they have more expectations this year than Florida State? I think they should have more expectations. They've got they've the got highest, a worse defense. They've got a worse defense than we do. Possibly they did last year. Um, I, I don't know, man. I think when you look at their, uh, I'll go back and look at the transfers that they just brought in again because that's what he's doing now. He's gonna he's gonna have an all star roster in, in one year. They're gonna have an all star roster. Like Oregon's time in the Pac twelve is over. They should leave. They should go to the Big Ten. They got no chance. USC has now decided that they care about big boy football. Last year, they brought in a genius offensive mind, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who's going to go number one overall after the, at the end of this season. They brought in the Bolitnikoff Award winner at wide receiver, and they lit everybody up. Now, they did they lose a couple of games? Yes, including to Utah, who I love to point out is uh, my favorite team in the Pac-12. But that's year one. They've also brought in a bunch of defensive transfers. It's going to start to shape up like a national title contender very quickly at USC. Do we think we're a national title contender? There are two different things, by the way. Being a playoff contender, we are. You're right. You point to TCU. That's the right thing to do. We are a playoff contender. Are we a national title contender? You would say by definition, if you're in the playoff, you are. I disagree a little bit about that. No, no, I I have long said that it's, it's a different discussion between playoff contender and championship contender. We've had that discussion here. We might have today. but. My question is, is USC, in your mind, a national title contender right now? If they beat Utah, sure. They they can't be. They can't be. If he has a good defense, it'll be the first time in his coaching career 
that that's, he's that, that's a fair criticism of Lincoln Riley. I had that criticism when he was at Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, and and this yeah. offense, like, look, there are two. I think we'll see what what North Carolina does. I feel like they're going to lose games that they shouldn't because that's because well, that's do. what they do, and and that's what's going to knock May out. So I, I think you've got two real candidates here for the Heisman, one on each coast, and you've got similar situations in that you really love the offense. Uh, you love the dynamic nature of what Caleb Williams has on the West Coast, what we have in the Eastern time zone here with Jordan Travis. If you win enough high-profile games, those two are going to be electric all year long, and they're going to be Heisman candidates. And it's going to be a fun thing to watch. Hmm. But if I was to pick right now, having seen enough of USC last year, and I watched enough of them, that's the one thing about you know uh, doing the watch-longs of the post-game shows. When you're, you're up, yeah. You get the Pac-12. We've got a better defense than USC does. They're the ones that have to prove that they have come and exceeded our level of defense. That is Tom, that Tom. is front to football, the defense that they play. But, Tom, when we played anybody with a pulse on offense, we gave up 30-plus points. They'd give up 50 with anybody with a pulse. I'm just telling you, it's not like we can look down on that defense. I don't think our defense was very good at all. I, I, I don't. It is well documented that you feel that. My point is that – if you're looking about relative between USC and Florida State and who should have higher expectations, Florida State is the more complete roster at present. USC has more to prove to show a greater balance than Florida State does. Because I think Caleb Williams for Jordan Travis, I know this might be sacrilegious. Oh, come it's on, a watch. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about professional <laughs> prospects. I'm talking about lining up in college football 60 minutes. It's about the same. It's about the same what they can bring to the table. Jordan Travis. One a game last year in November by himself with the offensive line failing him miserably. The he offensive did. Lines, he, he, yeah, offensive I'm not, USC is far better than the one at Florida State last year, especially at, uh, in November as the season waned down. Yeah, I don't want to get into where I have to once again denigrate Jordan Travis. I'm not going to do it. I, you kind of enjoy doing that. but I don't enjoy doing that. I have sung that kid's praises a million times over this last year to make up for all the doubt that I had. I have told everybody I was wrong about Jordan Travis, and I'll say it again here. I was wrong about Jordan Travis. I don't care who you're talking to. They're all liars if they tell you they thought Jordan Travis was going to be what he was a year ago. Nobody thought that. I don't. Corey Clark is ahead of the Jordan Travis fan club, and he didn't think he'd be that. And so, listen, I have come around on Jordan Travis. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna besmirch Jordan Travis. But man, that kid is the number one pick in the draft. Caleb yes. Williams is going to be the number one pick in the draft. There, there's a big difference between Saturdays and Sundays, and I'm with you on that. You know, if I had to choose between Caleb Williams and Jordan Travis to lead my franchise in the NFL, I'd laugh at the question. I would laugh at the question. Correct. But, you know, Tim Tebow was an unstoppable force in college. He was. He, that's, a, that's a good point. That is a very good point. He never had a chance. Kyler Murray, we can go down the line. Well, yeah, you and I both first guessed all of that, yes. Correct. Jordan's got a little more something to him than Kyler Murray did, but I digress. We'll let this season play out. Uh, I mean, Kyler Murray won the Heisman. It was really good at Oklahoma. Let's go easy there. I'm talking about professional. (laughs) More professional quality throws already. This past year was eye-opening in in that regard. I'm saying that those two offenses are a wash. Mm-hmm. With Lincoln Riley's grand master plan, he's a wonderful offensive coordinator. He we'll is. find out eventually if he's a good head coach. But with his grand wizardry, and well, that's probably a bad phrase, but <laughs> offensive wizardry. <laughs> yeah. With this offense that we have here, as balanced as it is, this is why I have the expectations that I do. You can tell. I'm getting fired up about this, that this is a playoff contending team. And if you lose, as I said before, 
both of your big games in September. Good God, guys. Then what did we do this all for? Come on. But if I well, but if I ask you before the season, does Florida State go if Florida State goes 10 and 2, are you angry? I, they lose you're gonna say game. who did they you're gonna say who did they lose to? That's fair. But I'm just saying, like, really, you're gonna be mad at 10 and 2? That's where we've gone. This what year. if they go? What if they go eleven and two, like ten and two in the regular season, and they win a bowl game, and they go eleven and two? They were five and seven before last season. They were ten and three last year. I mean, we're we're moving forward. Yeah, and again, their one win of exception is against LSU. Everybody else they beat sucked. I, that, that's okay. the reality. Okay, so they're not a good football team. They're a really good football team. The, how is that possible if they didn't beat any good teams except for LSU? They're a really good football team. Really good football teams take care of business against bad football teams. And Florida State took care of business against bad football teams over and over and over again. When they played really good football teams, they either lost or came real close to losing. I mean, Oklahoma wasn't great. Florida wasn't great. We go back through this. So then they, they shouldn't be categorized as a really good football team then. Like, I... I I, I'm, well, I'm not, the defense, the, the 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 unit that I'm questioning, there's a reason, and it's again, it's that defense. They have to make the leap. Your arguments are always going to stem from how good this offense should be, based on what Jordan Travis did a year ago and the personnel. I agree, and that's that's fine. They can win a lot of games, 38 to 24, whatever that might be, against good teams. Yeah, it, they could, they could. You're right, and that's why I do have expectations of winning 10 games. And I think they should be in the conversation for a playoff berth. I agree with that. But I I just, again, I'm trying to graduate to are we a national championship contender? And of the playoff teams, of the teams that are in the discussion, where are we? It's, it's really less about denigrating the team and more about trying to find that balance of what's a realistic expectation. Well, okay, let me flesh this out a little bit more. I think this will help, like especially for those that are in your camp. If this was a season in which Bryce Young was coming back and Stroud was coming back and Clemson had a better quarterback, you know, that was a veteran. They, they do have a better quarterback. Well, again, <laughs> if <laughs> they, they had a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, yes. they had an accomplished veteran quarterback returning to the fold. Mm -hmm. And maybe if LSU had better than Daniels, because I, I think we've got the better quarterback in game one. Then I would look at the roster and say, yeah, you know, a top six, top seven finish. I, I'd love it. But this is a year of opportunity for Florida State, especially because Bennett's gone at Georgia and say what you will. That kid's tough and, and they love playing for him. You could tell. Yeah, he he's, yeah, he's a good college quarterback. Yeah. And Young is gone and Stroud is gone. So this opens the door against those foes that have recruited like nuts because you're going to be better at the quarterback position than them unless they have a phenom that grows like Jameis did or Johnny Manziel did in their redshirt freshman years. Or, or and they might them. because they've recruited really well. And they might. They might. But because of those circumstances that there is quarterback turnover, my expectations are ratcheted from New Year's 6 to college football playoff. I, I hope that helps bring the reason out a little bit more. You know, if, it, if there were three other Heisman contenders on those, on those particular teams that we knew about, then I, I would put us as an underdog to make the playoff. But because the quarterback door matters greatly. That matters so significantly. And that's why I think Florida State's expectations should go to, uh, you know, 11 wins, 12 wins in the regular – sorry, 11 wins in regular season, 12 ACC championship and, and playoff. So if they don't win 11 games, it's a, you think it's a disappointing year? 11 through Charlotte 
Yeah, like, you know, let's say they go 10-2, and two, but they get a second crack at Clemson in, in the ACC championship. They win that football game. They win the ACC. That That is a successful – and good job. You brought okay. home – Yeah, well, I wanted to make sure – we... Even if that doesn't mean the playoff, that's still successful. Absolutely. All right, all right. So a rematch would make the difference. Okay. I just I, – because I don't think losing on the road at Clemson, probably going to be a night game. I don't, You know, I don't think that's a bad loss. And I don't think a close loss to LSU, if it were to happen, is a bad loss. I just don't. I, I, I wouldn't like it. I'd be pissed. I want to win. I think they, they could win both those games, but they could easily lose both those games, and it's not the end of the world. It, it, your coach isn't failing you if you lose those games in, in, in a tight fashion. There were times when Florida State had a team that I thought, if you lose this game, your coach let you down. You know, that's, that's in the last 40 years, if we go game by game on the schedule, I can point to the times that I thought, if you lose this game, your coach failed you because you have better players. That's not true in the game against LSU, and it's not true in the game against Clemson. It's not. It's close. <laughs> the LSU game, the LSU game especially. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 all right kids uh fun discussion this afternoon on the jeff cameron show with my cohort and dear friend tom lang about Reasonable expectations. I'm sure I'll get a bevy of reasonable responses to that discussion in my email inbox and on Twitter. Uh, Florida State plays baseball today, guys. That's right. They do. That's right. Welcome back, baseball. I sat in my driveway yesterday as I pulled in, and I had to immediately pull back out because that's what you do as a dad. You take your kids like a taxi to and fro. Anyhow, as I did, I saw the Cardinals. They were all over the yard. I texted Tom Lang about this, and I had my window down with the breeze coming through, as discussed earlier, and I thought, welcome back, baseball. Welcome back, the sounds of baseball. Welcome back, baseball expectations. Hey, how about that? That's a professional. Don't try that at the house. I am really pumped about Florida State baseball, and on that front, we had a chance to talk to Link Jarrett, earlier this week if you missed the interview hey hey good news you're gonna hear it right now um yeah it's refurbished guys it doesn't mean it's not acceptable that table looks fine in your living room so here's the deal link jarrett coming up right now looking forward to it 
listen to this interview. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Florida State baseball. I'm not paid by Florida State. Uh, so when I tell you to go to the game, it's more about your mental health than it is any sort of public service announcement that helps me. Uh, but they are playing against James Madison at 5 o'clock today. Here's the interview with Link Jarrett. And enjoy it. And I will talk to you on Tuesday. We all have Monday off. Enjoy your Monday. That's going to be great. We will talk on Tuesday. Talk. Coming up after this short break for the Link Jarrett interview. Yeah, there you go. That's what you get. It's coming up. Be good, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Welcome in, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, and here we go. We celebrate it every year. Always love the opportunity to head up the conversation surrounding Florida State baseball. Going into the year, opening day is Friday against James Madison, 5 p.m. The door is open. You see the man on the screen right there. He is the head baseball coach, Link Jarrett. Link, thanks again. It's great to talk to you again. I know you got to be very, very excited. I wonder, do you remember, not as a player, but perhaps your first opening day. Not as a player? Not as a player, just as a kid at community, like first time. Because we, you know what I think, Link, if you love baseball, you'll remember this. I know you do. That first time that you walk through the gate and come down the aisle, any baseball park, the grass yeah. is so green. It's overwhelming. It's yeah. just, it, it captures your heart. Well, it was here for me. And my parents still live right up the road and we yeah. walked down here and it was a chain link fence. You just remember the bleachers. I think it was wooden bleachers, a chain link fence. Yeah. And like being up close to guys that were that physical when you're probably what, seven or eight years old and you're standing there and the proximity, I think it was ground level. And you're basically looking at these guys, the lead betters and yeah. you know, some of the guys from back in, in that era that were so physical and so big, and you're looking at it through that fence. That's what I remember. And it, my first recollection of baseball was, was right here. Home plates probably in the same spot, essentially. But I think it's cool about that. Here we are, the moments at hand, Link, and um, I guess describe a little bit uh, your emotions. you got a job to do, I know, but it's got to feel a little sub surreal you think about for the for the folks out there listening, you were in June, uh, you know, uh, leading a victory over Tennessee and Knoxville on your way to the College World Series. Fast forward, you sit set to coach the team that you grew up watching. You just described that. Later on, became an All American as a player, and now you're at the helm, about to uh, embark on your, your your head coaching career at Florida State. That's that's got to be exhilarating. It's amazing when, when you think about it. I, I walked off the field last night and I was doing an interview in the coach's locker room. I'm kind of going, I'm sitting here in the coach's locker room as the head coach, you know, and I've rooted around this whole place. Now you're responsible for the atmosphere and, and the messaging of the program in this role. And I'm very excited. I, I really, Jeff, I want to get to the first inning of the game and get into the game. There have been so many parts of dealing with the transition for myself personally, coaching staff, and then those players have been through a lot. So you're ready for some of that to transition into competition. And that's that's what I'm most excited for. I'm I'm a little ready for some of the supplemental peripheral stuff <laughs> to end and go in there and have a really good first inning of baseball. Get off of that field, into the dugout, and try to figure out a way 
to produce offensively. And then you do that over and over. And I'm really at that point in my mind of ready to relish and enjoy the competition. I think, you know, we talk about it with the players as, as you get further in your career. And, you know, one Seth Manus, our graduate assistant, pitched in the World Series. So when you can finally get to the field and get to the mound, I think that's where you're actually most comfortable. And that countdown is on. We need to have two really good practices. We'll practice tonight under the lights. We wanted the players to, to just sense that really for the first time this time of year. When we do have some new lighting, those the lights that shine up are supposed to provide. We got much brighter bulbs in some of those fixtures. So it should present a, a better ability to see the ball. So, you know, my checklist is almost complete. And I do want to get into that first inning and Carson Montgomery, let him ratchet that thing up and go get him and let's compete. I, I'm curious, do you get ner- more, you know, players play and like you say, you get to the field, you go through your routine. Uh, they're usually habitualized and and guys get ready to play. Once they're on the field, they're doing what they've always done. Do you get more nervous as a coach than you did as a player or do you get nervous at all anymore? Yes, you do get nervous. I, I think you want to just make sure the house is in order. Yeah. You know, and in my first time here, I, I want the game day experience to be very professional. And if somebody gets to come to one game at Hauser Stadium, I want that to be a great experience for that individual or that family. I really do. So some of the things that we've worked on all fall and all preseason leads you up to how you're going to do your your timeline countdown for game one. And Bailey and Chip have been great. Adam Ham, these they have helped me so much. But ultimately, you want the experience to be A+. Plus from the moment people enter the field until the last out of that game and with hopefully a victory for us. So um, you, you are nervous. I, I think it's totally different perspective on what your concerns are as a player, your physical capabilities and your game planning and making sure you're in tune with the competition is one thing, obviously pushing the right buttons as a coach and, and hoping, you know, the game day experience goes properly, but then putting the guys in position to win. And when you have to push buttons or you have to make personnel moves that that you hope that you push the right buttons to give those guys ultimately the best chance to win. Talking with Link Jarrett, head baseball coach, Florida State. For those listening on air, not watching on Warchan TV, I would encourage you to do both. It's a young team coach. Uh, do, do you like that, though? An opportunity, I guess, to instill from the start what you want them to be as ball players and student athletes? Well, yeah, Jeff, that's, a, that's an interesting concept. You know, you don't always know whether the young player that doesn't seem to have the experience at this level, like how sometimes – that's just fine. All of these guys relative to us are new. So, you know, the, the canvas is somewhat clean in terms of our experience coaching them in games. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that there's a handful of names that people recognize, I, sure. whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I do like the names that everybody recognizes. You know, when you think of Ferrer and Crowell and Montgomery and Tibbs and Carry On and Obviously, Colton Vincent caught essentially every game last year. Like, there are some household-type names that are really good players. Then you have to mix in guys that people do not know. I did not know any of the guys other than the four games we played them last year. So then you put a, a Cam Smith in there, a Diamas Ross. 
McGuire Holbrook, who's one of our catchers, it's a little dinged up, but was a transfer from West Virginia. I think he will impact things as soon as he's healthy. That will be soon. Um, Jordan Taylor, Jordan Williams. There are some guys that have really grasped what we're doing and have performed at a high level. Trayton Rank, we've moved him infield, outfield. He's an athletic kid that's had a really good back end of the preseason. Um, so I, you know, I like some of the new faces to you are no different than the guys that have been in the program, <laughs> like to me. So um, Cameron Smith, third base, has been a phenomenal experience. Like he is moving to third, and most of your elite infielders in high school play more shortstop, and then some of them move. And Carry On is very savvy out there. We felt like the right thing for Carry On and the team was to stay at short. And Cam Smith. Jeff, when you when you see this, uh, this is a six foot four inch, two hundred twenty five pound, very elite talent. Now, third base is a difficult position at any level, but when you make that transition from short to third for the first time, and you're having to deal with all the bunning and how the angle of the ball coming off the bat, it's different. It is different. When I did it, the perception of seeing the pitch ball from the middle infield, you could track that thing all the way to the plate. At third base, you, you can see the pitcher out of the corner of your eye, but you have to be a little more engaged with the strike zone itself and able to track the ball all the way. So we work a lot on just the angles and the reads and the different things that are unique to third base. But I think you'll find him very exciting. And Nander DeSatis, a, a face that was absent for a year, just he said, Coach, I, I please let me finish my college career at Florida State. And I was thankful we were able to, to get him back, and he gives us some depth and has done a nice job at second base. So I like I, I like what's going on out there. And when you mesh all this together, essentially we've seen two groups of these guys kind of going head-to-head, and now it's time to, to try to mesh that and put them in a, in a competitive stance where they come out on top. Something that I observed – and in, in, in the way you answered that question, you weren't afraid to bring up Cam Smith. Anybody following college baseball understands who this young man is, is excited to see him play. His potential that you just described is something that people, if you're a Florida State fan, you're kind of salivating. Big, strong kid, all world in the state of Florida. People know of him. Do you worry about the pressure that comes with that? Obviously not, because you brought it up right away about what a talent he is. How do you handle freshmen with a lot of – uh, I, I guess, uh, aspirations and, and projections from others uh, on them. He's, he's just dynamic. And you, and you have to separate in college athletics the dynamic capabilities of a freshman from the fact that they are freshmen. So the lack of having been through this is real. The talent is real, too. So finding my moments to coach him, and try to bring him along and point out things that he did really well and point out things that clearly we need to improve on. They, there's that balancing act. Make no mistake that the talent and the potential is real. I mean, you, you will see it and it will not take long to realize that. Also, we must realize you know, he's young and he has not been through this. So there may be some things that come up that are freshman-ish even though the raw capabilities and the talent clearly are not. So it's that balance and in massaging and finding times to push him a little bit and making him feel confident, even if he has had some mistakes that, that he has had to play through. 
So that's the managerial aspect of what we have to do with kids this age. As you pointed out, they're all new to you, whether they're freshmen or they've been veteran players on this roster. Quick question about that, then we'll finish up with the rotation and some other questions about the arms that we haven't gotten to. Um, you know, I mentioned this team was young. You're right to point out the veterans uh, of the nine position players who started last season's final game. We know only four remain, and you named those guys. But I am curious, I guess the question would be, how long does it take for players to – unlearn for lack of a better term and then learn a different approach if that's something that you're applying to them in other words how long does it take for guys to assimilate to the way you want them to play well i think when you get through two to three weeks of fall team practice now baseball has the unique calendar of you have the skill work segment so you're not out there with the team okay so you're with them but you're not scrimmaging and really competing and you're not out there for 18 to 20 hours a week. So I think once you've had two to three weeks of, of team practice, they start to understand what's going on. Now, it's not a complete package at that point, but I think their understanding and comfort with it and, and our comfort as coaches with what they're able to handle, that's, that's when you see it. And you know, at that point, you're halfway through the fall. Then you're trying to figure out what each one of those guys needs from a technical standpoint. When you get back, we noticed, I noticed it at Notre Dame, I noticed it here. When you get back, there's a little bit of natural regression when those guys are gone for four or five weeks for Christmas break. So then you come back and the recall and the transmission of data, like you hope it's efficient and they they jump right back on board but there's things they're going to do at home to prepare um, but there are also things that they're probably not going to sit around the fireplace in the living room and go over the signs with their parents and grandparents like at christmas so there's certain things we know when we come back that we got to push the gas pedal in these areas physically you know they're working on their swing and their arm mechanics and getting themselves in shape so um, I know that's a that's a lot of information for your question, but there is that initial let's get it and that better take three weeks and then they start to get it. and then when you come back quick tune up and then you have to really be able to drive the car. That's oh, great, Coach. More information, not less information. That's wonderful. We're getting this team familiarized for the fans and the stands. Speaking of which, uh, the last time you talked about uh, this team, uh, you mentioned that you weren't real sure how you were going to utilize everybody yet. Have you carved out roles for these guys? Let's start with the pitchers, for example. The rotation going into the weekend, what you what you see it as, and then also uh, whether or not you've got uh, carved out roles for these guys. And if not, two-pronged question. If you don't have carved out roles for everybody just yet, how long would you like that to take or before you realize, okay, this is what he is or this is how I'm going to utilize? Jeff, very interesting. Probably the most demanding part of what we have to do as coaches and with the pitching staff. It is the most important and the most demanding maintenance that you have. We really built six guys in the preseason to get that pitch count up to 75 you know, in practice. Now, 75 in practice is a little different than when you roll out here and there's 5,000 people streaming. Those 75 pitches are a little bit different as real as we want to make practice. I, I do recognize it's different. So how do you balance who is going to essentially start the game and who seems to in weekend one, we hope this is a 17-week deal. 
in weekend one, we're looking at what gets the team out of the gate best in terms of who seems most logical to, with what we have, go open these games. And what do you have in leverage dynamic situations that allows you to escape if you need to, evade problems, and extend outings? So we really landed on Montgomery, Bowmeister, and Arnold to open these games. That leaves us Crowell, who is very, very dynamic and, and could easily start in May. But it gives an experienced leverage arm, dynamic, a chance to help us escape and evade and also extend because we built him just like we built the guys that essentially we determined would start these three games. Um, Connor Whitaker's in the same mold. Fields' position, both of them, Crowell and Whitaker, really handle the run game, field their position. So when you put them in with traffic, like if they have to handle the ball, you know you have super athletic guys that are in the game if there is traffic. When the game starts, sometimes we may feel like we're in a jam, but there's nobody on base. So you do not have traffic unless it's self-inflicted. So the guys that start do get the opportunity to warm up how they won and enter a clean game. Those leverage guys, and I, I say leverage because in our game, th this is this is something that may take place in the fourth inning, the fifth inning. It's not always the last three outs. Sometimes those leverage situations allow you to escape so that you do have a game to win and compete in in the ninth. So we we don't by nature hold somebody to just throw the ninth inning. When you look at the David Barrett's, the Brennan Oxfords, we extended them, but we didn't extend them as much as, as the other group. Benny Barrett, big right-handed freshman, we extended him a little bit, not quite as much as Whitaker and Crowell, but he was extended. And then Dougie Kirkland is a, a live-armed right-hander. I mean, it's been mid-90s with a upper 80s breaking ball. Um, been pretty good. And then Andrew Armstrong, like left-handed, good stuff. We have to get a little more out of them. So we start to script this out, but David Barrett in Oxford being David Barrett righty with upper 80s, 90 mile an hour breaking ball and Brendan Oxford, the transfer lefty from Wake Forest. We feel like in short spurts, not necessarily matchup, but you know, we, we did not build them to get to 70 pitches, but they're probably capable of giving you 45 or 50 if need be. So that's how we scripted this for this weekend. I do not know, Jeff, how this plays out. Our job and our goal was to find a way to win Friday, win Saturday, win Sunday, <laughs> win this series. And that clearly to us was the way to go about it, to give everybody a chance to function in a role. I love it. Folks get a good idea of the process that you're going through as you figure out these roles that I asked about. And then also knowing that it's fluid I'd ask you before we let you go, Coach, as we walk through the gates at Hauser and we get set for opening day, you already mentioned several of the starters, starters position players. Uh, I guess go through one last time, outfield, how you envision this. I know some of it's matchups always, depending on who the other team is going to start. Uh, but if you could, for the fans that are walking through the gates and they're filling out their scorecard, uh, what, are those, what does that position group look like to you? Well, it looks like you're going to have Jaime in right field. And we've spent a lot of time. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Like our, our stadium dimensions, you're confined in right field. And yeah. if you can have center field capabilities at Hauser Stadium in center field and left field, those are the areas that demand the most coverage. Right field is tricky 
but you run out of room pretty quickly. We may go to some places where it's the other way. Like you go to NC State and left field is tight. So his ability to play right field here, and but also not just be limited to right field will help us throughout the course of a long season. Um, Diamez Ross, if we're talking on pure center field and left-handed hitter and great base runner, he sure fits the mold in center field, and that's probably where we'll go. Um, Jordan Taylor, Diamas is a freshman. Jordan Taylor is also a freshman, and he's had a really good uh, preseason. Those guys can both run. Jordan Taylor can really, when he gets underway and opens it up, he can fly. They both throw well. I mean, throws very well. Jordan Taylor gets rid of it, and you know, it's it's coming out of his hand like it's shot out of a cannon, no matter where you put him in the outfield. Um, Jordan Williams, switch hitter, junior college player, great baseball history. Uh, he could play center. He could play left or right, but but probably more left field right now. And I'll tell you, Trayton Rank has done a nice job of acclimating to the outfield. He's played some infield. We've moved him to the outfield. So he's a candidate in left field. And I, I think really right now you kind of have a three-way fight out there for left field. Tibbs, also a very capable outfielder, but to get another runner in the lineup, we, we are trying to get Tibbs comfortable at first base. Good athlete. He could probably go play center field, but when you bring that type of athlete into the infield, the mobility, uh, kind of the range, I know first base throwing doesn't come into play a lot, but those three six ones and some of those pickoffs and the things that come up, it is nice to have somebody over there that can really throw, and you can. Yeah. Um, so we'll look at Tibbs, DeSatis. Looks to open at second base. Titan Kamaka has challenged and had a good fall as a freshman, but Nander's got that, got that experience. He probably more than anybody. He's, he's been through the SEC battles and clearly through the battles here. Carry on will play shortstop. Just love his savviness. And every day I'm around him, I, I, I taste that, that baseball savvy and headiness that he has. It's really impressive how he navigates what's going on. And then Cam Smith, a third and, Colton Vincent will catch. And we do have some catching depth. One of the key pieces is is out. I told you Holbrook's dinged up right now. He'll be back. But, you know, Colton again, gosh, that guy caught about every inning last year. So you feel good. DH, Cade Bush, Gunnett Carlson, one of the other left field candidates, whether it's Rank or uh, Jordan Williams, I, I, I kind of leave that DH to the last minute. I don't train. I don't want to train somebody to DH. That's just a byproduct of trying to put the best defensive team on the field and see what bat is left. And the nice thing about the DH is it gives you some interchangeable parts without affecting the defense. So how you use the DH spot really gives you a little more flexibility to bounce guys around based on what's happening throughout the course of a game. Link, I wish you the best. Happy opening day, sir. Thanks for spending so much time with us. I know the fans appreciate it. I do as well. I wish you luck. I'll be talking to you throughout the season. Be well, good, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate the time. All right. You take care.